The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Now, how many of you, when you turn on your computer at work or at home, you just want it to work, like when you turn on your television? Well, our guest today is here to talk to you about how to have that kind of seamless infrastructure. In fact, what he calls a dial tone infrastructure. And his name is Dean Bergman. He's a senior account executive for Huber & Associates. He's worked for more than 17 years in IT, including at IBM, as well as for a software developer and as a data center manager where he oversaw daily operations. He's here today to talk with us about ways that we can make our computing experience much more enjoyable, much more secure, and much more reliable. Welcome to the show today. Thanks, Kelly. Happy to have you here because, as I said, this is something that, you know, in this day and age, people just expect to turn on the computer and, and get to work. And uh, so often, though, there are these little gotchas. So talk to us. There's 10 things that you have, 10 tips for uh, how to keep that dial tone infrastructure. First, what do you mean when you say dial tone infrastructure? Well, my expectation for from years of working in IT is it should just work. Mm-hmm. You should be focused on your business. You shouldn't have to worry about the IT infrastructure. So as you walk in the door, you shouldn't be thinking about virus definitions. You shouldn't be thinking about is your server going to work, is your, are your applications going to work. You shouldn't have to worry about that. It should just be there like a dial tone. Well, you know, everybody that I talk to, the first thing they're thinking about in the morning is virus definition. <laughs> so not. But, no, you're absolutely right. So so the first thing, and it's, it's something that's getting much more sophisticated and, and really uh, tricking more and more people, and that's email attachments. Tell us about... Uh, oh, it's just been really them. scary. You have multiple folks, examples of lately where folks are getting both email attachments that uh, are doing some phishing. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for, you know, the fishers or the fishermen are looking for folks to click on these links or click on these, these uh, attachments and actually infect your computer. That infection can be um, as as simple as clicking on it, and it's starting to communicate to them mm-hmm. what you're doing. So your yeah. bank account information, anything that you're doing on your PC could start to be um, sent out of out of your PC. Yeah. So the key is not to click on anything that you don't expect from a, a customer or a friend or mm-hmm. somebody. Really focus on if it if you don't recognize it and it is from somebody you know pick up the phone and call them yeah. and say listen i just you know got your grandkids picture came across is is that were you meaning to send that to me and if you and if they say well no i didn't really mean to send it then shift delete 
right? Mm-hmm. Just get rid of that instantaneously and don't even open it up. Yeah, and and you think, well, that's that's silly. I mean, there's lots of things I get, like grandkids' pictures, friends' grandkids' pictures. But like I said, these are getting more and more sophisticated, and and they're mirroring, they're they're um, watching your Facebook activities yes. and you know other platforms. Maybe it's not your email, but they're they're watching your, and so they know things about you so that they can sound like your friend whenever they tempt you. <laughs> yes, a, a good buddy who's in IT as well just uh, experienced uh, his his mother. Uh, received one of those phishing emails, and it came from her bank. It had the bank mm-hmm. logo. It had all just looked very official, and it's, it was requesting social security number, you know, credit card information, and she didn't realize that it was a bad thing, so she actually filled it out and sent it in. Oh, no. And so anyone can be duped. Mm-hmm. Anyone can have um, issues like that. And then the, the whole um, malware and... Um, ransomware is huge at the moment as well where we're seeing you know folks that will click on a link or click on a file and then it goes out and infects their file server infects their files and it encrypts it and then what they're looking for is a ransom they're going to say hey we're happy to uh, unencrypt that for you for $50,000. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing how many folks are getting affected by that just by simply clicking on a link or a file. Yeah, just a simple split-second action there creates this whole, sometimes lifetimes of problems. Now, you mentioned malware. Uh, How important is it? Well, I shouldn't say how important is it, but talk to us about the importance of keeping those virus and malware um, applications and programs up to date. It's huge. Um, They have to be up to date in order to find the latest and greatest of what's going on out there. Mm -hmm. There are folks doing nothing but trying to figure out how to get into your computer and how to capture that information. So if you're not keeping up with the latest and greatest virus definitions and patches and security fixes and everything, then you're vulnerable. Yeah. Taking that one step further, some people think, okay, I've I've got my viruses uh, applications and they automatically, you know, I've got them set to upgrade and so forth. But uh, some of these loopholes that you've mentioned, they come through um, breaches in the software itself. They're exploiting, I don't even know the right terminology, but they're exploiting um, little loopholes in the software. And so patches and fixes come up periodically. And of course, they pop up at the weirdest times when you're in the middle of a deadline and they want to shut your computer down to update. And so you tend to sometimes just say, ignore them or update later. That's kind of a dangerous habit to get into. It's okay. It is. At first, right? Okay. But the question or the, the thing to keep in mind is you really don't want to do that repeatedly, right? If you are in the middle of something, then go ahead and say, yes, let's delay it, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't want to do that multiple times because then you're, you're putting yourself at risk and okay. you're putting your company at risk. And that's what's real important is folks at work, you should be focused on work Mm -hmm. and not looking at those grandkids' pictures. I know it's difficult (laughs) because we see that every day, but you really have to focus on taking care of your business, taking care of your employer, and doing only work-related things. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be facing, or you, know, you shouldn't be surfing Facebook, and you shouldn't be surfing the web. You shouldn't be doing things out there that, that really are non-work related. Yeah, well, and the the thing about those updates, though, is I think a lot of people just think, oh, it's just going to refine some feature in the program that I'm using. But the important thing is, is that it's closing up those little loopholes or gaps where um, the fishers can get in and penetrate and yes, yes, yeah, yeah. The bad guys, the bad guys want you to delay that. Yes, they, they, they want to take. Uh, <laughs> 
take that exploit and they want to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And they're constantly looking for those exploits versus us just trying to work. Right. Now, another, uh, we say it over and over and over again. I know we've written numerous articles about it, but you just can't hear it enough. And that is the importance of reliable backups. Backups. That's a that's a great story. Um, you just have to have to have a good backup program, and you have to check it, make sure that it's communicating to you, telling that it is backing up. But the most important thing is to regularly restore and practice checking that backup. Why is that so important? Because we see customers, clients, friends that think they're backing up, mm-hmm. and then when an emergency hits, they go to restore the backup, and maybe their backup wasn't good. Mm-hmm. So nothing substitutes actually testing that backup. So we we in in the in our process of of working through some of this with our customers, we do a peace of mind contract that specifically helps them sleep at night because we're practicing restoring their backups on a wow. regular basis. Now, be it monthly, quarterly, you know, biannual type of thing, mm-hmm. but that peace of mind has really helped folks that assume that they had good backups figure out that oh. We don't really have a good backup. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, we just think, okay, we've got a backup, we're covered, but you don't think about if you have to actually bring that back or restore it. Talk to us about some of the methods for backing up, and are there any that you recommend? Uh, multiple uh, ways to back up. Uh, you can definitely back up local. We always mm-hmm. suggest that you move it off-site somehow, whether that's a off-site media. It could be tape, could be a hard drive. But if a tornado came through or a flood or something, you really want to mm-hmm. have the ability to have that off-site and bring it back to wherever you are going to restore everything. So uh, backing up local to your hard drive, backing up to um, remote re- removable media, backing up to tape is all very positive. And then you can also go to the cloud. Yes. So that's that's another option. But again, every everything has kind of positives and negatives and what you want to do is test that backup sure in order to make sure that it's working whether it's going to the cloud whether it's going to local hard drive because it's your business and if you're not practicing bring that back you're not going to know how long it takes mm-hmm. so the cloud in particular let's say that you know you're backing up to the cloud and there's several gigs several terabytes that are going up there um, we really need to um, practice how long it's going to come, how long it's going to take to come back, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also with the cloud, um, there's lots of uh, providers out there, service providers who say they'll uh, act as your backup, but it's important if you hire one of those to do the backups on a nightly basis or whenever it is, that they have redundancy built in too. Correct. It's important to walk through the scenario with them of, you know, what happens if they're in a disaster. Exactly. How are they spreading out their data between different data centers? Do Mm -hmm. they have that capability? And and one of the things to think about as well is where are you in the pecking order? If they're a cloud provider and they're taking care of very large corporations out there and you're a mom and pop organization Mm -hmm. who's kind of tiny and the spend is kind of tiny and your, your backup is kind of tiny, if there's an, a regional issue, where are you going to fall True. for the importance of, of getting attention to get your backup back? Yeah, that's great advice, and so I bet a lot of people haven't even thought about that. Hand-in-hand uh, hand with that backup is a, a reliable uh, disaster recovery plan. Uh, what are the what steps in that? Uh, practice, practice, practice. <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, your, your, your disaster recovery plan 
should be a document. It's going to grow to be a book eventually, but it should be a document. And you just go through things as simple as if we had a flood, okay, and we we lost electricity, we lost um, the ability to use our computers, whatever the case may be, how are we going to overcome that? Mm-hmm. Are we going to send folks to a different location? Are we going to get you know computers and bring them up over there? Are they going to be able to work from home? Uh, and every time we do a disaster recovery scenario test, we learn something. It's inevitable every mm-hmm. single time. We have, you know, Mary Jo that we're expecting her to go to, um, you know, the uh, another Kansas location versus where we are today. And we forgot the whole thing to ask her about how she's going to handle daycare, yeah. right? If mm-hmm. she's got to leave an hour earlier. So we've just seen that whole scenario of, of practicing and really walking through the scenario, both from a human factor and your technology, what happens during that disaster. Sure. Well, and as basic as you say, as daycare or even in some places probably transportation because some people who maybe rely on public transit to get from to work, if you're putting them in another location, maybe the transit doesn't go there. <laughs> right. And that's why it's important to, to come up with a scenario that says, okay, assign folks that are, are in the call tree to say, okay, you know, you're supposed to be responsible for these five folks and you need to call them and tell them this is what's happening. But you have to know enough about your folks that are working with you to know if there's going to be a daycare issue, transportation issue, all those kind of things, because you have to work through that. Mm -hmm. And eventually you you get to a point where the plan is really good today, but it's going to change next time you practice. Yeah. Because our life change. Exactly. So, so the importance of practicing and then documenting what you learn from the practice. Every single time. Yeah. Document as you go and then update it and then, you know, kind of do a postmortem or, Probably not the great word. <laughs> you want to walk through the actual events and say what worked, mm-hmm. what did not work, and how do we adjust that for the next time. Yes, absolutely. Um, this this kind of goes with the, the backups we were talking about, but uh, so many employees get in the habit of saving their documents directly onto their own desktop. Uh, not a really good practice. It's not a good practice because typical best practice is to back up the server. So most servers are backed up somehow, and if you're keeping everything local, then it's not getting backed up. Now, if mm-hmm. you take that extra step to back up all of the workstations or laptops, then that's okay. But th- somehow you have to capture all those things that are changing and then if the employee leaves, yes. if it's not on the server or if it's not backed up to the cloud, if it's not backed up somewhere, you're giving them that information right. and they may or may not return it. Yeah, very true. Uh, one of the things that we hear about sometimes, uh, typically this has to do with government employees uh, that you that make the papers, uh, but it happens to corporations too, and that is somebody loses their laptop, they, they leave it on a bus, they leave it in a restaurant, or you know somehow it gets misplaced has a lot of company data, sometimes proprietary information on it. How do you thwart that? You definitely want to have um, password protection. Mm-hmm. So, And then you want to have it to be where if, it, if they try so many times and it fails, then it should wipe the laptop. But you've got to protect that laptop just like it's a, a document that you're leaving around. You, you cannot think of your device as... Um, as something that's that's okay to just to, you know, mm-hmm. to lose, right? It just needs to be very very close to you. But what about uh, let let's say that a company has really strict protocols in place with passwords, with backing up, um, with 
boundaries for you know how they can be used, all of those kinds of best practices. But with all the mobile devices that employees bring to work these days, that maybe not may not be part of the company um, inventory, their personal uh, devices. How do you account for those? An employee using their personal uh, phone, say at work, or or an iPad, and somehow. I, I don't know exactly how this all happens, but some, somehow they end up introducing, say, a virus onto the system because they were using files on their laptop and then saving them. I, I mean, you hear about those kinds of things happening. How, how do you deal with that? It's called mobile device management. So there are programs that we can implement that will keep keep your information from um, getting outside of of the business. And then Mm -hmm. we can remote wipe those devices as well. So there are programs that we can implement to help that. Okay. Uh, And then the other thing I don't think sometimes we think about is is performing regular audits of who has access to your network. Talk about that. Huge. Um, In a typical year, folks are going to have turnover. And so there's going to be several folks that have, have come and left the company. And those credentials, if we don't take care of those, then they're going to continue to have access. Mm -hmm. And they might not have access or wanting to have access, but a hacker would potentially see that this is a a quiet um, credential Mm -hmm. and they might start trying to use that to get in. So it's important to know who has access to your network. Go through that on a regular basis. Make sure that you have a protocol in place that if someone leaves the company to make sure that we, um, you know, get them out of our system. So typically you would uh, put them in a uh, mode where you would, it wouldn't be deleted right right now, but mm-hmm. it would be disabled. Mm-hmm. So you disable it for a time. And then so the company should, as a policy, should say, okay, we're going to delete or we're going to, we're going to um, disable Dean's ID for 90 days. And we're going to keep his email for 90 days, and we're going to, you know, look at everything. And then at 90 days, we set a reminder for ourselves to go in and go ahead and delete that account, get rid of that email address, mm-hmm. et cetera. Okay. And then finally, let's talk about passwords. Uh, you've got a system for creating strong yet memorable passwords. Uh, tell us about password protocol and your your. Yeah, trick. it's it's funny because <laughs> you see folks uh, inevitably if if when you're in our business for as long as we've been and, and you need to find a password and somebody's you know not at their desk we flip the keyboard up and we look underneath and there's usually a sticky. Really. There's something somewhere I, that huh, somebody I didn't has. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, w- what I do is I encourage folks to somehow create a phrase and in my case I use past automobiles so I will say you know my red GMC truck so I just create a little uh, create a little passphrase that I'll remember really well mm-hmm. but it'll be more difficult for folks to uh, to guess down the road so you take my and you capital capitalize the m mm-hmm. take take the y and create it as an i or a one whichever mm-hmm. you want to do Red, abbreviate it, so RD, mm-hmm. and then GMC, do, you know, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase type of thing. Mm-hmm. Something that's easy for you to remember. Could mm-hmm. be all upper, could be all lower. And then, um, 
you create some numbers on the end and then some kind of a, a different character as well. Mm-hmm. But create something in your mind, and you have to have several of those because right. as your bank accounts, all the things that require you to change passwords every 90 days, you're going to have to have kind of a corral of passwords and that you're going to kind of move through, maybe 10 or 12 of them. But, but create a catchphrase that you're going to remember and then it's going to be difficult for other folks to um, to uh, guess. Yeah, a lot of these uh, password because I forget my password sometimes, and I have to keep going back and getting them reset. And uh, they're they're getting more sophisticated. They're saying that's too easy. Yes. <laughs> you know, and they won't even let you proceed. Right, right. That's <laughs> so. very true, and it's it's a good thing. Yeah, it is. It's aggravating, but it's a good thing. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, so where I just said I tend to forget my passwords sometimes. So where can you store these? I mean, I'm scared to death to write them down. So where can you store them so that you do remember them? There are password vaults that mm-hmm. you can so applications that you can you can put in, and you have to log into that application vault and keep all of that. And there are several different commercial versions of that out there. And those are safe. I mean, I. I'm skeptical of all that stuff. I think it's it's safer than the sticky note underneath your uh, your keyboard, right? So. Yeah, I, I, you got me there. Okay, so tell us about Huber and Associates as we conclude here. Huber and Associates, just an outstanding uh, IT company. Um, I still think of us as a very small company. We're about 90 folks based out of Jefferson City, Missouri. The reason that I left IBM and went to Huber was because of all the technical folks. Mm. It was very few sales folks and and mostly technical, and they just have an outstanding reputation. Um, Just they want to do the right thing, and what I would say is you're not really engaging with us as a business. You're engaging with us to join the family. So when we come out and, and we get to know you, the more that you're comfortable telling us, the more I can help. But I get it day one, you know. It's interesting when the uh, OEMs ask me what do we specialize in or I meet somebody at a cocktail party or, you Mm -hmm. know, out at an event. They say, well, what does Huber specialize in? And I always say relationships. Uh The idea for for me to get to know you and your business and what you're trying to accomplish, the best phone call I can ever take is for somebody to call and say, Dean, I'm having this kind of a business problem or we are trying to accomplish this. The IT thing is easy, right? Mm -hmm. I can figure out the, the, the computer stuff, infrastructure. But what I'll never be able to get if you don't trust me is if you pick up the phone, call me and ask me about those business needs. Okay. And how would someone get in touch with you if they'd like to talk more about these things that we've discussed or any other IT issues? Um, Pretty straightforward. So dbergman at teamhuber.com or 816-977-3401. Okay. And a website? TeamHuber.com. TeamHuber.com. Go check it out and start that relationship. Thanks so much for being here today to share these tips with us. They'll make our lives easier, that's for sure. So thank, thank you, you, Kelly. I appreciate it. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at IThinkBigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.